0: Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist and the author of The Anxiety Solution. So you might be aware that this month is sober October and lots of people are challenging themselves this month to give up alcohol for the month to perhaps benefit themselves in terms of their health and just give it a try and see what it's like. And so I thought it would be a really good opportunity to talk to my friend, Joanne Bradford, about this very topic. Now, Joanne has been named a British guru by Marie Claire magazine, and her work has been featured in publications such as Vogue, Cosmopolitan, Grazia, Psychologies and The Times magazine. And she is a certified life coach. She also is an emotional freedom practitioner and she's a sound healer. And she basically fuses all these things together in her one to one and group sessions. Now, this episode is for you if perhaps you're someone who has noticed that there's a link between their anxiety levels or their confidence levels and alcohol and they're keen to maybe just learn a bit more about this and explore what it could be like to have a break from alcohol or to become alcohol free completely it might be for you if you had never even considered it was a possibility that you could not drink and you're maybe wondering what that might be like because that's one of the things that me and Joanne discuss and it might also be for you if you're already on this journey to reducing your alcohol consumption or giving up alcohol completely and you just want some more inspiration and ideas on how to stay on the path or get some more motivation for continuing. Either way, I hope you'll listen to this with open-mindedness and really consider it as a possibility and an option. Because I remember thinking in the past that actually not drinking wasn't even an option for me, despite the fact that it was having really negative effects on my relationships, on how I felt in myself, my anxiety my social anxiety and actually just to know that this is a possibility I think can be quite empowering. So Joanne and I talk about our own stories in terms of alcohol and experiences that we've had that have led to us both having made the decision to um, not drink, especially, well me for the time being at least, we talk about the benefits and Um, costs of being alcohol free because there are a lot of benefits but of course there are drawbacks there are challenges that come up we also talk about the surprising things that happen when you stop drinking that actually most people don't talk about and we cover topics like how to deal with other people's perceptions of you when you um, decide to stop drinking and how to explain that to other people and how to navigate certain situations like social situations if you're not drinking so I think you're really going to enjoy this episode, it's quite a long one, we talked talk for about an hour and seven minutes and go into a lot of detail and I for one am feeling really inspired after talking to Joanne on this topic so do let us know what you think on Instagram, I'm at Chloe Brotheridge, Joanne is at Mother Heart and we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this so please enjoy this episode with Joanne from Mother Heart. Welcome Joanne, thank you so much for joining me, how are you today? Very well, thank you, Chloe. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Really good. Can you tell good. us, um, for people that maybe don't know you and what you do, what it is that yeah. you do and how you got there and also how you came to be alcohol-free? Sure.
1: So what I do, I used to be an actress and um, the last six years or so I've moved into the well-being industry and um, started off as a life coach and now I work uh, with a technique called Emotional Freedom Technique and Sound Healing uh, so that that's kind of my day-to-day work is I run one-to-one sessions and I also do sort of group sessions as well. Um, but what I'm here to talk to you about today is a little bit different than that. It sometimes comes into my work, but not always. And that's, um, yeah, we're going to talk about sobriety today, which is, I guess, you know, it's it has impacted my my professional life in a huge way, actually, and was a big part of the career change from actress to what I do now. Um, but more than anything, it's a passion for me and it's something that I really love talking about. Um, I think it's still a little bit taboo and, you know, lots of people have got lots of questions and resistance around it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, to getting stuck in today and discussing how to live alcohol free.
0: Amazing. And it's very topical because this podcast is coming out at the beginning of October
1: and it's, Mm -hmm.
0: is it stopped at sober for October? isn't it? Yeah, it's not October, October, that's the smoking
1: smoking. one. Yeah, Yeah, I always get confused with that as well. Yeah. And sober, go sober for October is alcohol free month. Yeah, so
0: it might be on people's minds a bit more. And I mean, one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you was firstly, because I have recently become alcohol free. And secondly, because I get so many messages from people about the link between alcohol and anxiety and the effects that alcohol has on us in terms of you know we use alcohol to feel more confident or to calm down and yet the day after we end up really paying for it in terms of our kind of mental health so it'd be good to to sort of discuss that aspect of it but can you share a bit more about what what made you decide to to stop
1: alcohol consumption what
0: what led you down that's a really
1: formal way of asking the question (laughs) I stopped alcohol consumption so for me I was always from from the age of sort of it sounds ridiculous now but it felt quite normal at the time 12 or 13 I was drinking alco pops is that normal I don't know it's normal for me in Lancashire yeah Yeah. I mean I don't know if it's a bit about being rural like these rural towns maybe because we're both sort of not from this the, uh, the city, but mm. it was very normal for me and my friends at that age, and it was nothing crazy. But we we drank alcohol pops, and I always remember, you know, the first time I felt drunk. I just remember feeling very much at home in my own skin, and just really appreciating that feeling of just the, the lack of self con- uh, consciousness and um, the fact that I was able to flirt with boys, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it started off, I think, probably how it starts off with everyone, which is it's generally quite a pleasant experience, um, and then. Couple of years into that, um, I had, I'm going to get really heavy really quickly here, but it's sort of part of my story. So when I was 14, I had, um, an incident with a much older man, um, and I was very drunk and he was sort of twice my age and engaged to someone else. And it was, it was a really inappropriate incident actually. But at the time it was kind of my first, one of first sort of sexual encounter. And at the time, um, What I think what happened looking back, um, as you do over kind of many years, is that I began to associate um, intimacy with being drunk. That that was that was how it worked, is that you if you were going to make yourself vulnerable um, and, and sort of romantically engage with someone, then you needed to be really, really drunk to do that and so I think from that point on from when I was 14 I was sort of I was quite a heavy drinker it was never daily but I would drink at the weekends when I was socializing I like a lot of teenagers you know just sort of hanging out in people's garages or in the parks and all that sort of stuff it sounds so weird now but that's sort of what you do in the backfield we
0: used to go at the back there's a field behind all the houses the backfield meet you in the backfield and drink tins of lager or whatever
1: yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and that was just how I was, you know, when we were when we were young. And um, but I think the kind of the key thing for me, what I've really realized is that I didn't evolve um, any confidence or sense of being comfortable kind of in my body and how I would interact with, with the member of the opposite sex. It was always get drunk and then that sort of thing would happen. Um, and I do remember uh, writing in my diary when I was about seventeen, I do remember writing, and I've sort of read it since I said I don't think I have the same relationship with alcohol as a lot of my friends because I felt like I didn't really have a stop button. there was a certain point where if I was so drunk, there were it sort of all bets were off um it was like they, they I couldn't get enough really mm-hmm. and um so that was something that I sort of knew from being about seventeen uh, and then I moved to London went to a really intense drama school training where if I'd have drunk every night, I just would never have made it in the next day. So I actually became very controlled about my behavior and when I chose to go out. And, um, I am a massive control freak and I'm actually, I'm quite a hard worker. Um, so it's some, it's interesting actually sometimes because some, I think it's easy to assume that people who might have a sort of, unhealthy relationship with alcohol are always really outlandish and you always see the signs of it publicly and and, you know it's very much on display that can be the case of course we've all got that friend who goes too far and always talks and laughs about it and it's a very public thing I was much more private with my interactions with alcohol and very very controlled I knew that I would sort of quite quickly go off the rails if I was on a night out so I would be um very sort of structured with when I allowed it to happen, but when it did happen, it was kind of all hell broke loose. So I did three years at drama school, and um, it was, I I think, around those years, I started to black out. That's when I first realized that I would have major lapses in my memory. Um, But it was actually upon graduating from drama school at 21, um, with no structure in place, you know, lots of part-time jobs, sort of bit jobs in London, no real reason to be up early in the morning that I would uh, go out the night before friends with a lot of creatives, big alcohol and drug culture, obviously in London Mm -hmm. and we were all young and having fun. Um, But it used to, for me, it just became quite unmanageable um, and I would black out and I would start, I started doing things that sober I would never have done, you know? And and one of those things for me is um, sort of in terms of my, I want to say romantic, it was nothing romantic about it, but, um, my interactions with men, things would happen where I'd wake up the next day and I would, you know, it wasn't even like, uh, it, it's, it was an interesting one. It was, it was sometimes about this situation is, you know, perhaps a married man, just something that my morals and my set, my set of values would never have considered that had I not been off my face. So it was that shock factor for me of like, I'm doing things that are not me, but yet yeah, it is me, but it's, you know, it, so it was yeah. scary. Um, and then yeah and sometimes just sort of finding myself in situations with people that I didn't even fancy but when you're drunk it kind of somehow makes sense um, so a lot of stuff where I felt felt like I wasn't really making the choices I was no longer in control um, so that led me uh, to at the age of 24 to a relationship where I actually dated someone who was sober and I had Realised at that point that I might need to consider a stint of sobriety. That um, there were sort of some behaviours that I wasn't feeling good about, and I really, as much as I'm brilliant at controlling my life, it felt like I was beginning to lose my grip, and, and actually I really wasn't in control anymore. Um, I must say it's really important because I think you know we all we all compare to each other's stories, and I, I remember feeling like well I'm not that bad. I don't need to stop because I'm not as bad as him or her. Um, And I think it's really important to look at your own life and identify, is it bad enough for me in my life? You know, Mm -hmm. I was never a daily drinker. I was never addicted to alcohol physically. Um, And yet when I drank, I would go into blackout. I would do things that I felt really remorseful about afterwards. And it was slowly eroding my confidence in myself, a sense of self. Um, And, you know screwing up sort of next day's plans and opportunities and auditions that I was meant to be out, but couldn't make because I was still asleep, etc. Um, so yeah, at the age of 24, I started dating someone who was sober. And it was really interesting, because I I could never have foreseen that, that that would have such an impact on my own life. But watching him, we were only together for six months, but watching him, his process, he sort of shared a little bit about his insights into sobriety, and also just being around him and not drinking, as much as a result of that, um, it just showed me what a life could look like without alcohol, um, clear headed mornings, social events that were enjoyable and connected, but not necessarily, you know, off the wall wild. Um, and I started to see, Oh, actually life is possible within the confines of not drinking alcohol. Um, so that was that was really helpful for me. I, I didn't actually manage to to stop drinking during that relationship. Um, we broke up, but after uh, after we sort of parted ways, I remember very clearly thinking, right, well, I I probably just need to go back and do what I used to do, which is drink all the time. I was really I was pretty gutted that we'd broken up. To be honest, it was it was his decision, um, and. Thank God something in me thought, no, I found something here that has been really good for me for the past six months. It doesn't matter that he's not in my life anymore. I want to try and do this for me now. Um, And they actually do say with alcohol, it has to be that way around. You can't do it for someone else. Mm. You know, and I'm sure there'll be people listening today and maybe siblings or parents have been telling you, it's time to, to look at your alcohol intake um, and it doesn't work that way. In my experience and from a lot of the people that I've seen go through this process, you have to reach, they call it the rock bottom is the kind of expression that's used, but you have to reach the point where you're sick and tired of your behavior and your relationship with drink um, and until you get to that point, you probably won't stop, you know, and that's okay. Um, you really need to reach that for yourself. So that happened to me at 24. And I didn't decide never to drink again. I think that's quite a lot of pressure for anyone. Um, But what I did decide was one day at a time, I would start looking at my relationship with alcohol and start unpicking why it was that I felt I needed to drink socially um, for intimate reasons, you know, when I was sort of having having time with whoever i was going out with what it was in me that needed to not be fully in my headspace and kind of centered in my body why was i wanting to check out Mm -hmm. um so that started to happen at 24 and i'm now six years sober um and would never have expected it but the journey actually for me has not really been about giving up alcohol Uh, it sounds strange to say it but it's giving up drinking is so much more than just giving up drinking the, the emotional journey, the discovery, the way that you evolve as a person is so much more than just taking alcohol out of the equation. And that is why I've remained sober, I think, is because it's a fascinating process and it's like an onion. You're peeling more and more back and you're making more discoveries and you're advancing your life as well. Um, so, yeah, six years in and a huge advocate for it. And, and that's I guess that's sort of my story in a nutshell in terms of how it happened
0: yeah thank you there's so much about what you said that I want to go into more um I suppose some people might be listening and thinking you know all right you were blacking out and some people when they think of people with an alcohol problem they think of tramps or they think of people drinking tenant super in the park or um you know drinking at breakfast time but actually there's a whole continuum isn't there and it's you know you don't necessarily have to get to that rock bottom before you maybe
1: make a change? What do you think? Totally, totally. Yeah. And, And I think that's the danger is that, you know, I've heard some more scary stories than my own by far. And there has been part of me that thinks, Oh, maybe I didn't need to go completely sober, then maybe I'm not that bad. But I think it really is that personal thing of if it is unmanageable for you, if it's causing difficulties in your life, you know, and that can be many aspects it can be your behaviors that you exhibit when you drink you know lots of people do change one of the signs actually of um I don't really like the word alcoholic if I'm honest it scares me <laughs> um so for people who are still drinking I'm sure it's quite an alien word but I like. I just like to describe myself as I don't have a, a particularly healthy relationship with alcohol and for that reason I choose not to drink because it mm. keeps my life so much simpler um so, yeah, um, in terms of alcoholics, because I always used to see them very much in this cliched way and think, oh, an alcoholic is someone who drinks every day, um, who is completely addicted to alcohol. And that is a version of an alcoholic. But actually, a, a very common version of al- an alcoholic is someone whose nature changes once they consume alcohol. Um, they change, they have an inner change, which means that they are no longer themselves. They do things that they wouldn't do. And, um, they, they have a kind of a constant desire to continue drinking. Um, and that was interesting because for a long time I used to, I really kind of reassured myself, well, I can't really have a problem with alcohol because I can do three whole weeks where I will stay in and decide, nope, not going to the pub, not doing anything social. Um, I've had a sort of bad time, whatever it was that maybe there was an episode which I woke up and felt a lot of shame over. And I would sort of like buckle myself in and refuse to drink for three weeks. But it really was it was really kind of a white knuckle experience of um, it was controlling it, you know. And and I think that's what interested me most about about alcoholism, if you want to call it that, or just living a sober, alcohol free life is that there are there are it's a spectrum. And for some people, you might be able to go six months and not drink. But when you decide to drink and you have a few, if things end up being very chaotic and out of control, then it may be something to look at. And it may be something to look at, even if that doesn't happen. You know, if you're feeling groggy, if you're feeling kind of foggy headed, um, uh, it's why not have a look at an alcohol free lifestyle. If you don't feel that drinking is serving you, it doesn't need to be dramatic. It just needs to make sense for you. To, to give it a, a little rest period or a, a longer period, depending on, on what you want to do. And on that note, I'd love to hear a little bit about why you've decided your two and a half stint, uh, yes. ongoing stint, yeah, because I'm sure our stories are different.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was relating a lot to what you said about the teenage years and kind of, certainly in my teenage years and early 20s, I was using alcohol to feel more confident and to yeah. not feel anxious in social situations and to exactly go to a nightclub and talk to anyone and that sort of thing and I for the first time and I I probably started drinking regularly at kind of 14 15 and kind of going to nightclubs in Wigan Maxine's Mm -hmm. nightclub rock night on a Friday anyway amazing um, (laughs) and suddenly I'd gone from this kind of quite inhibited shy person to kind of the life and soul of the party and kind of talking to everyone and that sort of thing and it really kind of opened up my world at that time and yet Sure. on a Saturday morning I would quite often spend the whole day on the sofa kind of not be able to get you know even leave the house I would have panic attacks I felt like I couldn't breathe properly I had and this was huge... directly off
1: the back of yeah the exactly yeah. so I
0: drink kind of I know, so I, drink, I used to drink snake bite and black which is a horrible mm. drink made of cider and beer mixed together which is just shouldn't even be legal probably um wow. <clears throat> which resulted in horrendous hangovers and just lots of anxiety the next day. Yeah. And kind of that cycle just continued for basically years. And I suppose what I found, and I actually had one stint of being alcohol-free sort of five years ago or so for a year and a half. Yeah. Because um, really. I was doing that for kind of autoimmune reasons. I was having kind of autoimmune symptoms. So I did that for that reason. But I noticed actually I had to had to develop my own techniques for managing anxiety and being more confident because I couldn't just hide behind alcohol anymore and it was a real revelation for me at that time going to a wedding you know not having you know drinks to get on the dance floor and that sort of thing and you know I learned through that experience actually you can grow and learn a lot about yourself because you're not hiding behind something you're not numbing yourself to kind of life's experiences so um, that was one of the interesting things I found at the time but my reasons for stopping more recently, yeah, I was at I was at a book launch and everyone around me was sort of drinking. I was drinking as well on this night and I, didn't, I haven't drunk since that night. And yes. I remember thinking, what What are the reasons that I'm drinking at this book launch? Am I, you know, I've got work tomorrow. It's a Tuesday night. I know I'm not going to feel my best. I've got, you know, a busy morning. I've got a lot of projects on that I need to be focusing on. Yeah. And I realised the only reason I was doing it is to sort of fit in or to take the edge off that kind of slightly nervous thing of walking into sort of a room full of people and you know that sort of thing
1: yeah and
0: sure. I had a conversation with another um woman there who said she was sober and this just kind of a light bulb went off in my mind and I was like this is what I need to do basically yeah. um and I think my kind of intuition had been telling me for a while that actually I'm more productive more clear-headed I can sort of work on my confidence in an authentic way if I'm not drinking and um so yeah I haven't haven't drunk since and it has been beneficial I think in lots of ways Um, what for you what have been the main kind of
1: benefits that you've noticed living alcohol free So many. I just want to say off the back of that thing that you just shared what I love about that and what I think is really helpful is that that's there was no catastrophe that where you had to plunge headlong into a, a, a stint of sobriety that was a really mindful choice um and that's really encouraging because I think I know a lot of people who are waiting for the disaster or you know it's not quite bad enough and I think that's really inspiring that you've just made a decision for your life that it just serves you better mm, mm. I love that I love that
0: um yeah, I um just another, how- another point on that I read the book um what's it called About being sober, the unexpected joy of being sober. Yes. And I love that and I found it really inspiring. But the the woman in the book does kind of reach rock bottom. And in a way, I didn't really relate to that. I relate much more to the kind of the positive benefits of Mm -hmm. not doing it rather than getting away from anything being really terrible. So totally for people listening, know that you don't need to reach rock bottom necessarily. You just it's about kind of maybe auditing if it's working for you right now. And if it's not, if the benefits could outweigh the the costs of not drinking I so then, you know, it might be worth sort of considering.
1: And you know what we are. So I feel like this is such an amazing time to explore an alcohol free lifestyle because it's no longer weird. Mm-hmm. You know, even six years ago when I stopped, it really wasn't, I mean, Instagram, I don't think had it just been created. It just wasn't, there was not the community that there is these days. On There's some amazing sobriety people on Instagram and there's just so much more talk in the media about it. And We're just at a place where I think we're beginning to really think for ourselves rather than just be told by the advertisements that drinking is cool and sexy and everyone should be doing it. And if you're not at the pub on Friday drinking, then you're, you know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. we're beginning to challenge what has been so normalized. So I think it's a really exciting time for people who might be on the fence. You know, just take a little bit of courage just from the fact that there are lots of people doing this now. Um, and you're not going to be the only one. And there's so many resources and there's communities and like you, you know, you met the the person at the book launch who was sober as well. Mm. Everywhere you look, there are people who are also living this lifestyle. Um, and they will start flooding into your life. You know, the longer you, st- you kind of I say stick at it. It's not even about enduring. It's a really, from my experience, really, um, positive, um, and kind of life giving, way to live but the longer you live in that way the more people come into your path and you're like oh my gosh I've got all these new friends who just are like-minded and and want to live in the same way so it's just it's such a good time to be having these conversations Mm. and to be thinking about alcohol-free living um but in the in terms of the benefits so this is one of my I really feel very very strongly that um we often with all, all things in life, but particularly when it comes to perhaps giving alcohol a, a kind of a break, um, is that we start thinking about all that we stand to lose. And so one of the, thing, the key things that I really feel is most important to, to be focusing on, if you're going to have a stint of sobriety or explore it as a lifestyle, is actually to really focus your mind because the mind is so powerful focusing the mind on what you stand to gain, Mm. you know, and just really flipping it. I think it's Oprah that says, you know, what you focus on expands. And if you're focusing on the fact that you can no longer go out until 3am and be off your face and, you know, have all these conversations that you're going to forget in the morning. And it's like, if you forget, (laughs) if you start thinking about all the things that may no longer happen anymore... Um, you're not going to want to give it a go. But there are so many positive things that can come off it. And they're going to be different for everyone. Everyone is probably considering uh, an alcohol free lifestyle for a different reason. Mm. Um, But honestly, focusing on the gains and cultivating that in your life has been so helpful for me, you know, and it's not been the last six years, there's definitely been times where, um it's not been totally plain sailing there's been times where I've sort of dipped into a a little bit of a oh well you know this doesn't feel as fun as it used to be or whatever and actually it's just realigning but all of the things that I gain every day and all the ways that my life has improved and stabilized and it's mind-blowing actually um and it's just about starting so for me benefits have been so the ones that um, were kind of came through really quickly and which I take for granted n- now are having a clear head in the morning, waking up feeling the same every day. You know, um, I used to really struggle with the dread. I used to call it the dread, as just mm. waking up with that kind of sense of doom and the assumption, even if it hadn't happened, the assumption that I'd said something mortifyingly embarrassing you know or done something that i was going to regret and and often i couldn't remember because it was a blackout situation for me but instantly i'd wake up and think oh god you know look at my phone has anyone messaged me looking at my messages did i message anyone you know those sorts of things and it was just instant anxiety and a sense of dread so that stops pretty much immediately yeah um other other emotions may come through once you stop drinking alcohol, and we'll come on to that, but that that kind of impending sense of doom that comes through when you've got a hangover is something that very quickly dissipates, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think you know, looking back, it's been it's been sort of six years now. Alcohol is very calorific, so I think naturally my weight has um, has reduced. Not because I've changed my ways of eating or exercising particularly, but just because I'm not no longer consuming high levels of sugary drinks. Um, I do sometimes replace that with desserts now. That's kind of my alternative. It's reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. But but yeah, I mean, it's it's calorific drinking. And if you're doing it quite regularly or you're having sort of binge sessions it's going to impact your body. So that's something I feel like my weight is kind of stabilized. And um yeah, I'm definitely I'm slimmer now than I was in my early 20s. And the only thing that I've changed is, is my alcohol intake. So that's interesting. Mm. Um, my skin is better, definitely from um, cutting out alcohol. My I always say my resilience levels. And actually, this is something that I feel is is key when it comes to to stopping drinking, because I think, the thing that often will cause someone to decide to live alcohol free and then actually go back to how they live normally, you know, drinking, is that there is a period of feeling quite uncomfortable. And I'm not sure if we, we sort of talk about and address that as much as we ought to, that the reality is, unless you're extremely confident, um, and you, weren't covering over any kind of anxiety or social awkwardness with your drinking the reality is when you stop drinking you're going to experience those things because it's not that they are just kind of suddenly in you they've always been in you it's just you've you've used drinks to take the edge off experiencing those emotions um and i think that is something that's really important to identify is when you stop drinking you are going to start feeling a lot mm-hmm. a hell of a And I, it's easy to forget because it's been a few years ago, but I know that that was quite painful for me in the early days. And there were things that I used to just, you know, festivals and nightclubs and things that I was like, well, I can't do that at the moment. Like if I'm going to not drink, I can't be in those situations yet. And it is yet they do things change and you evolve and you become more resilient and I can pretty much do anything now and and I'm not phased by it, but it's a process, um, so yeah, just on the note of it being emotionally resilient, that is something that didn't come overnight, but that is still happening day by day in my life today. You know, things that stress us out where we just go, I'm going to have a glass of wine to deal with that, or I'm going to have three bottles of wine at the weekend to deal with that kind of thing. Uh, when alcohol's no longer in the equation, you've got to find ways to process it. And to let go of that stress or that sadness or that anger or whatever it is. And I think that is probably the emotional side of of living alcohol free has been the biggest gain for me because I feel so strong. I feel so equipped to deal with life on life's terms, you know, life Mm -hmm. as it is reality. Um, And like I said, that is not an instantaneous perk, but it is one that I think once you're on the path of alcohol free living and you continue to to make your way down that path, you get more and more um, rewarded in that way, the emotional strength that it gives you, the clarity. Yeah.
0: I think, it's, I think it's, yeah, it's such an opportunity, I suppose, to actually sort of get to feel those feelings that often we do kind of drown our sorrows. Or I, I was finding myself, you know, just before my period, being kind of irritable, kind of annoyed, grumpy, whatever, Oh, yeah. I'll just have, you know, half a bottle of wine or something it will take the edge off. And, you know, it's lots of kind of psychologists talk about this phenomena, whereby if you don't deal with your feelings, mm-hmm. they stay inside and they come out in other ways that you don't yes. want. You, we can't get away with suppressing our feelings for our whole lives. Mm-hmm. And that's why people have panic attacks. It's why people have breakdowns. It's why people get, I don't know, tension in their bodies or IBS, because actually these feelings are not being processed and dealt with totally so for me the kind of not having that crutch or that anesthetic in a way to kind of feeling things and actually having to process things is uncomfortable but it is you know you grow a lot as a person you learn about yourself you become more resilient because you know hang on actually I can handle things yeah and so yeah I completely resonate with what you were sharing there about that
1: Yeah. And it only gets better. That one, that's kind of an ever evolving one where you just get more and more equipped to deal with life, you know? Um, so that's, I think, yeah, that's for me, that's the biggest one. And, and just, um, not having to run away from, from what's going on, you know? Um, it's, it's so easy in our culture to check out, um, I mean, I'm not even just talking about alcohol, I'm talking about social media. There's so many ways Mm -hmm. in which we can numb ourselves and distract ourselves. And living alcohol-free gives you a real opportunity to just to sit with what's going on inside and work it through, you know, and grow, evolve from it. Yeah, and that's, I think, that's something that everyone, no matter if you've got a destructive relationship with alcohol or not, there are things that you can gain in that respect. And... Also, coming on to um, something else that I feel quite strongly about is um, I call it like looking for your superpower illusion. So why, because everyone drinks for a reason, if you're aware of it or not, why do you drink alcohol? Um, and some people will just be like, oh, well, it just help me socialize. Yeah, but you can socialize without alcohol. So why do you choose to drink? You know, there's something, Does it? does it just help that lubricant just helps things flow more with conversation? So then maybe there's, part of you that's feeling a little bit awkward or a little bit shy so the the alcohol just helps things to flow maybe it's that Uh, lots of people identify with they feel they're funnier uh, wittier when they drink they can be more outrageous Um, maybe they feel sexier on dates you know there's all these little things where I think it's easy to convince yourself I don't need alcohol but actually there is a reason why you're drinking it you know And, and why you are resisting taking out of your life for a period there's some kind of attachment there and so I always encourage people to look for their superpower illusion so what's the thing that they use alcohol for as their superpower and once you can identify what that thing is does it make you funnier more interesting etc then you can start to challenge it and to to break down your um, belief system around that that you even need it because alcohol at the end of the day is a mind-altering substance and it allows us to act and feel things that we don't believe we can feel without using it, you know? And so I, I just say challenge that. Why can't you be outrageous? Why can't you be funny? Why can't you be life and soul of the party without drinking? And if you take alcohol out of the equation, you realize, my goodness, a bit like me, actually, I'm brilliant on alcohol in, in the fact that I can run a room. I have loads of energy. I don't mind getting up and making an idiot of myself. When I took alcohol out of the equation, I realized it's not that I don't wanna be that person, I'm not that person. <laughs> and it would be weird to try and achieve that mm. effect sober because it's just not me. I'm actually, I'm actually a one-to-one person. Um, I'm a little bit of an introvert. I actually like being on the peripheries of a room and sort of scoping out the situation and talking to people in a much more intimate way rather than holding space and have all the attention on me. That's who I am. I never realized that when I was drinking. You know, I'd sort of swallow alcohol down and I'd become someone else. Um, so sure, you know, now I don't drink. I could work to become that person again, but without alcohol. But I realized I don't want to. I'm really happy to be quieter mm. and to be further in the background, you know, and that's okay for me. So you may also find when you take alcohol out of the equation that there are parts of yourself that you want to develop naturally and also parts of yourself that you thought were you that fall away. It's really fascinating. That is fascinating. It's fascinating. Just- so- back. I yeah. love that
0: idea. I love that idea. I think that's going to be quite an interesting thing for people to reflect on who maybe haven't thought about it that way. Because mm-hmm. drinking alcohol is so much part of the culture. It's the norm. You know, if you don't drink, you're the, the odd one. And yet it is a drug. I was um, the last person on the podcast was Sheru Izadi. um kind of a drugs counsellor, basically. And what? she said it's they they refer to it as alcohol and other drugs. Yeah. so alcohol is a drug. drug it is a drug and that, that kind of struck me and I was like oh yeah of course it is a drug we don't really think of it like that I found that quite interesting yeah um I wonder how not drinking could be a superpower as well you know mm. oh, i my superpower is not drinking alcohol so I wake up on Monday morning and I get loads of work done and I've got more yeah. money and I don't have to mull over who I might have offended with my kind of outlandish comments or something so I'm
1: real connection yeah that's another perk actually is because I think something that a lot of people struggle with when they're thinking about giving up drinking is that they'll lose their friendship group that's the number one thing that people express to me as a concern but my whole friendship circle drinks all my family are all big drinkers if I became the non-drinker I would get ousted I'd be ostracized you know all of that stuff um, and so the first thing I always say to that is, are they really your friends though? You know, do they really care about you if your friendship is conditional on the fact that you have to drink alcohol, you know? Mm. Um, but one of the, one of the perks for me has actually been real connections and real conversations. Cause I used to have the most, what I consider to be brilliant conversations with people at 4am in the morning and we'd open our hearts and we'd just share all this really deep dark stuff <laughs> and then the next day you either completely forgotten it or you were dying of embarrassment that you had <laughs> shared it with this person who you met three hours before you know yeah it's yeah real. it's not real it's, it's a complete illusion that's created by a drug it's not real and mm-hmm. so another superpower is real genuinely I hate the word authentic but authentic conversations where you allow yourself to be seen and to see someone else intimacy into me yeah. see and when we drink, we don't let people really see into ourselves, you know, it's a cover up, it's, we're kind of, we're, we're out of our bodies, really, we're not grounded and connected in who we are. And that's been a real joy as well, is just the simplicity of having real conversations, you know, and the, and the people in your life will change. And that, that's another thing, I think, I'm listing all the kind of negative things here, but I think it's important to touch on them. There is going to be a painful period where it's a little bit uncomfortable, and you work through your awkwardness and the fact that you're actually an introvert when you thought you were an extrovert etc there are those things to work through for sure and it gets better and easier Um, another thing is that there are going to be you know most likely if you're a heavy drinker at least there's going to be people around you who don't like the fact that you decide to stop Um, and they might make it difficult for you they might guilt you So there may be a season in your life if you decide to do something different, where people start drifting away, or you have to slightly step back from them. Um, And it can again, it's it's a tricky period, but it can be navigated. And I always I always use the analogy of seeing um, changes, sort of a a period of change in your life, like a, a field. And when when you grow crops in a field, there's a period where the soil needs to fallow. It needs a period where there's no seeds being planted. It just needs to regain all the nutrients in order to do the next round of crop growing. And I love that analogy just in terms of, for me, it really helped me when I first gave up alcohol because it was so scary changing my own behaviors and looking at all of my insecurities and all the reasons why I had decided to drink and then seeing that they actually drove a few people in my life away and they didn't, they weren't on board with it, they weren't supportive. And that was hard. But what really helped me was to see that period of time as allowing this soil in my field to fallow and that there were going to be new crops, there were going to be new friendships and new experiences. But there was a period of stillness that had to happen. And some of the crops got slain, you know, or or moved to a different field and some of them have come back, which is the beautiful thing is, you know, people will maybe react um, at the time in one way and they may come back into your life at another time um, and accept it. Or even I've had a couple of really close friends decide that they actually need to live alcohol free as well. You know, so we've had a few years of a little bit of distance where we've not hung out as much and now we're super tight because they too realized a lot of their resistance and judgment about me stopping drinking was because they had their own stuff going on with it. So I think it's trusting, you know, that some people may step away. It it may be forever, it may be temporary, but actually at the crux of it, the people who love you Uh, and want to support you and want the best for you in your life are going to empower your decisions and stand by them. Even if they don't do the same, even if they don't choose the same for themselves, they'll want to empower you and lift you up. And anyone who doesn't do that, you've really got to ask yourself what their agenda is there and whether they're really looking out for you or for themselves.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I um, asked on Instagram for some questions for you. And a few people were asking about how, how to sort of deal with other people and what they might think and their maybe judgments about if you're making a decision to, to sort of have a break from alcohol or be alcohol-free. Yeah, Because, I mean, even I've noticed in the last couple of months, if I say, oh, I don't drink, yeah. it kind of it, it seems to trigger in the other person a need to kind of slightly defend what they're doing. So I've had a few people say to me, oh, you know, can't you just have one? Or I just love to have a glass of wine with with Jake. dinner or something you know I just like to have yeah. a glass of wine I love the taste that sort of thing yeah and almost like sort of defensiveness in the other person and I you know I'm not judging anyone else's choice I don't care what anyone else does um okay. you know it's, I'm on my, my path and this is the right thing for me and yet there is a sense that people find it a bit threatening or think that you're judging them or there, there probably are people listening to this who are thinking to themselves, oh, I don't, you know, I don't need to be alcohol free and almost um, finding that this might be judging them or something. I was yeah. talking about this even and just to kind of, I wanted to kind of address those kind of feelings and thoughts um, of those people listening. So what are your thoughts
1: on that? I think inherently, when you talk about something like this, it is going to be divisive. And it's like holding up a mirror to someone else's behaviour. You know, when, when you make a statement of this thing, I no longer do for these reasons then it's going to cause the other person to automatically look at them, themselves, their behavior, why they still do do it, um, all of that. So I think it's really hard, and I totally relate to what you just said, is that you can really innocently just say, oh, no, I'm I'm just going to have elderflower tonight. I don't drink, actually. Nothing to do with the other person, Mm. um, and yet you you will suddenly feel your, oh, wow, I'm in a conversation with someone who's just justifying why they drink. I don't need the justification. I didn't ask you, you know, Mm. but... But it's a real, um, it's something that I see a lot is people want to defend their own stance. And I think it's natural, you know, and and for us as non-drinkers, um, I think it's, you know, you just can make them feel comfortable. I say to a lot of my friends who do drink, you, you can drink, I don't mind at all. You know, as long as you let me be kind of where I am, you be where you are and it, it's not a problem. I'll never request that people don't drink around me. Um, Initially, when I first stopped, I was definitely, as I mentioned, more protective about the environments that I put myself in. And I probably wouldn't have gone out with the the girlfriends who get absolutely hammered uh, just because it would have been difficult for me. Mm. You know, but now at the stage that I'm at six years in, I really don't mind being around drunk people. If anything, it's a reminder of, yeah, but I really don't want to be that again because it's just, you know, the same conversations three times in an hour. Um, it's not, for me, it's just not what I want to be doing at this point in my life, you know, for me. Um, so it's a happy reminder, but yeah, like I think it is, it's going to cause people to, to defend and it may get some people's backs up. Um, and just in terms of different environments. So obviously you've got your friendship group. Work can be a tricky one. I know lots of people who I've spoken to have said, yeah, but it's really hard because we have drinks in the afternoon. Sometimes we have to drink with clients. And how do you navigate that? You know, I'm actually quite lucky in that I haven't had to navigate that, but I've spoken to lots of people who who have had to. And there are ways and means, you know, if you really make a choice and you want to commit to this because it's your priority for your life, no one's going to make the choice for you. So if you're choosing this, then you've got to be on, you know, on top of the excuses that you might give um, and, and perhaps in a working environment, I know people who will request a Bloody Mary, but just say, I just want the tomato juice. They'll say mm. that to the waitress. Um, I even know of situations where, so that their client at work hasn't been aware that there's no alcohol in the drink. They've said, can you charge me? For the alcoholic version, but give me the non alcoholic version and waiters are very discreet you know it's it saddens me that we have to do that that there is people in the world that feel like they have to kind of underhandedly order a drink um that isn't alcohol uh that that's, that that hasn 't got alcohol in it, but you know there are what my point is there is that even in the situations where you feel wow i 'm really going to be judged, this is going to alienate a working business relationship and i can't have that happen you there are smart work things that you can do as you're navigating it um another one that i know for some people when they first stop drinking because they just don't feel comfortable in owning that they're having a, a period of time alcohol free you can use excuses like um i'm on antibiotics right now i know lots of people do that and it just gets people off your back you know and and it's not true but it gets people off your back and if you're feeling shaky and you're out in a social situation and you don't want a load of strangers giving you jip about the fact that you decided, you know you're not drinking just tell them you're on antibiotics i think you've just you've got to find little ways that work for you and as you move through sobriety you get more comfortable with it and you connect so much more with the perks that actually my experience has been you care less about what other people think yeah, and just on an energetic level, people read that. So once you're comfortable with being alcohol free, I rarely get questions these days. People go, oh, "You're not drinking," and I say, "No, I'm not drunk for six years," with a smile. And they're like, a lot of times they'll go, "Wow, I wish I could do that." You know, it's not, "Oh, why? What's wrong with you?" It's mm. like, oh, "Tell me about that. How? Like, why would you?" You know, and and we have a really nice chat. Um, there are lots of different reasons you can give, but if people do say, Oh, why, why is it that you don't drink? I'll just say alcohol just doesn't work for me. I've tried, it's tri- I've tried and tested it so many times and it just doesn't work for me. I'm a better person. I'm a nicer person. Um, and my life works in a much more manageable flowing way when alcohol's not a part of it. So it's just a decision I've made, you know, and you can't really argue with that. You no, know? you can't argue with that. People are just like, Oh, right. Fair enough. And some people even get inspired and sort of mm. Facebook message you or follow up after saying, can we have a coffee? I'd want to talk to you more about it. So it's, it's cool because you suddenly start to realize, I think we're probably not alone in this. Uh, a lot of people have been conditioned in society to feel like this is the thing you have to do. And yes, it's fun and there are amazing elements to drinking, which is why so many of us have done it or continue to do it. But there's also, I think, um, a definite demographic of people. I know lots of people at university who are just a bit like, oh, God, I really have to do this thing to fit in. But I just, it doesn't really make me happy, you know? So it's, it's interesting. I think there are some people who are actually looking for permission to, uh, to give it a break, to, to try out a period. And on that note, I actually wanted to, to talk to you about a, a Guardian. I think it was an article in The Guardian um, about Go Sober for October. I read recently and it was just talking about having a month off because obviously you've got the sober month off and then when you've got January, which is the really popular one, dry January as well. And it was an article basically just looking at sort of scientifically about the benefits of having a whole month off alcohol um, because obviously the tendency for a lot of people is to have a month of abstinence and then to (laughs) come November the first to hit really hard and go out drunk. Right. So the whole article was saying, is it actually any good to have this month off if the other other 11 months of the year, you're not being mindful at all and it's actually quite a destructive force in your life. And it was really interesting and, and food for thought. And um, But the thing that I really took away as someone who doesn't drink is – wow, I love the fact that we're getting all angsty about is it better to have a month off or is it better to have three days every week off or something, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that the conclusion of that article specifically was they actually felt that having less drinking days every week across the year was more positive and better for your health. And just sort of general, what we've been talking about, emotional well-being, resilience, the way that you evolve um, is way better than having a month where there may be a tendency just to sit at home and do nothing and you're not growing when you do that you know if you do go sober for october but you just have no social events you're not it's not really changing anything it's not changing the way that you relate to people you're not challenging yourself you're just cutting something out and sitting tight so it was a really good article but the thing that i couldn't help feeling reading it is gosh we spend such a lot of our energy justifying and finding ways to make drinking work for us. One, actually, the bottom line is we know it's not healthy. Um, It's officially come out that there's no safe level of alcohol at all that you can drink, right? That's the kind of news story in the last couple of months, which is terrifying for people Mm. who who love to drink. I get that. Um, So, you know, but let's not be in denial about this. We know what smoking does now. No one tries to justify their smoking habit we know that wearing seatbelts is something that by law we're obligated to do. It wasn't always the way, but it is now, and we accept it. But we've still got this thing with alcohol where it's like, yeah, but how can we make it work for us? Like maybe we have a month off, or maybe we do a little bit less each week. Or, And I just think as someone who is alcohol-free, but there's also the option, which wasn't mentioned in the article, of just not drinking. Mm-hmm. And it's possible, and you won't die. Like you're going to have a good life, you know? you You might have a little bit of um, challenging periods as you adjust and you evolve, but you can have a full, happy and exciting life alcohol-free. And it's rarely presented to us in the press, you know? So that sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. I think (laughs) what
0: what that really made me think of is that people might say, oh, well, can't you just have one drink or just drink on the weekends or just special occasions? I considered this, but really, I know what I'm like. I know that I'll start off just drinking at weddings or just at you know on Saturday night and then it will creep up and it'll be like oh I'm going out for dinner on a Wednesday my friend's having a glass of wine I'll have one too and I'll turn it to two drinks and then suddenly you know a big weekend will happen or something with a friend's birthday and I'll drink a load and actually it's a lot easier just to say I'm not going to drink at all than Mm -hmm. it is to to try and be moderate and I'm not saying that's the same for everyone but just as human beings that's the way we are we're we're quite all or nothing as a species we find it hard to do things like well a drug an addictive drug it makes sense that it'd be hard to do it moderately Totally. Um, but so many of us are of that mindset of oh I can't just have I know one biscuit I've got to have like three or I can't just have one glass of wine I've got to have a half a bottle or something so and I guess what it does when you decide that you're not going to drink at all is that you free yourself up. You don't have to mm. think about it anymore. You don't have to make that decision. Oh, will I, won't I? Oh, better just have one. And then wishing that you could have two, but you decided to just have one. And then it's kind of on your mind thinking, oh, I wish I could have another glass of wine sort of thing. So you had
1: three and then you hate yourself the next day because yeah. you said you were going to have one, you yeah, know? Yeah. And it's just like, it's so much energy and it's so much kind of battling with yourself. And for me, I personally really agree with you. It easy it's easy and there's this I think the whole black and white thing you all don't be so black and white about it people say that why is it so bad to be black and white about drinking I've really experienced a lot of stress in the gray area (laughs) I spent many years sort of in the gray area sort of doing it and then not doing it and actually just making the commitment actually I'm just for today I'm not going to drink you know and I've done that every day for six years and it's it's just simplified my life in a way that is hard to imagine until you start walking the path, and then you realize it's possible, you know? Um, mm. So, yeah, it's, I think that's the thing, is if you're in that place where you say, well, why can't I have one? My response will be, well, you can have one. You can do it. You know, if that works for you, um, then, then do it. No one's going to stop you. But if you identify that you are of that nature where one becomes two or three, and then you're feeling groggy the next day, or you spend too much money, or you say things that you regret then why not give a stint of being alcohol-free a try, you know? Mm. Try something new.
0: And something like Sober for October could be a good opportunity for people, maybe they recognise that alcohol impacts their anxiety levels negatively, to give it a try to see how it impacts your Monday morning or see how you feel on a Sunday night. Sunday night is the biggest peak hour, peak time. From 4 o'clock on a Sunday, people are kind of hungover from the week, from the weekend they're they're dreading the the week ahead and it's a huge hugely anxious time and actually if you don't drink that a lot of that is taken away and monday morning is a lot easier so maybe do it as an experiment for october and just see how it goes and see if it does work for you and see if you do notice some benefits and what i would also add is that if you're listening to this and thinking i don't know if there's resistance coming up if you're feeling kind of attacked or if you're If it's making you want to drink more, even um, just kind of be aware of that feeling coming up because resistance can come up sometimes when we deep down know that there's some truth in what's being said. And the old pattern is trying to sustain itself in a way um, by bringing up that sense of resistance or judgment or something around around what's being said to just get curious about that. If, you know, you as a listener are experiencing that. Yeah, um, that's really good advice.
1: That's really good advice. I'm very aware that um you know for someone who is not yet on the journey at all this is quite a strong message, you know. And I don't apologize for that because it's it's what I believe to counteract everything that our culture tells us. I think there needs to be certain people who stand up and say, you know what, there's a real alternative here. Because one of the biggest uh, things that surprised me about living an alcohol-free life is I kind of didn't know it was possible. You know, I didn't have anyone modeling it for me. I didn't understand what the benefits would be. I just didn't think it was possible. I thought my life would stop. And actually, what it's done is it's opened up my world. It's opened up my friendship groups. It's opened up my mind and my kind of emotional development way more than I expected. So, yeah, I think it's really nice that you acknowledge, you know, this is, this is a, it's, it's a topic that divides And it's okay if you don't feel like it's something that you want to explore right now. Maybe it's not for you or maybe it's going to be for you, but not quite yet. Um, But I definitely just say, you know, as a gentle challenge, it's there's no harm in in just giving it a shot and just seeing if any of these benefits actually do come through for you during a month like October when there's going to be so many people doing the same thing. Um, Something else that I wanted to address, which I think kind of goes hand in hand with living alcohol free is. You know one of the big reasons, like you said, anxiety and drinking are so closely linked, and it's a kind of a vicious circle because we feel anxious, so we reach for a glass of wine or whatever just to take the edge off that difficult day or slightly um, pressured social interactions and then of course the the kind of offset of that is that you feel anxious because you've had the wine, so you're in this constant cycle of feeling anxious so drinking and then have you know having more anxiety because of the drink um and something that i find is really helpful is just being prepared in advance for how you're going to deal with the feelings that come up be it stress be it anxiety be it you know emotional stuff that maybe you haven't resolved because you've always just kept a lid on it by drinking things down um, and everyone has different ways and means of managing your kind of emotional landscape, as it were, but I wanted to share a couple that have been really valuable for me and they 've kind of stayed pretty consistent actually over the over the last few years so um first one for me that I found really helpful was some movement. Um, in terms of like how we feel emotionally we can talk about our feelings a lot but actually physical movement doing something to relieve relieve the stress that we feel inside our body for me has always been a very powerful way of just letting letting my hair down really um when you can't go out and get smashed there there needs to be tangible things that you can do as an alternative and i know particularly when i first gave up drinking i started running you know, and, and for other people, it might be a different sort of sport discipline, but for me, it was running. Um, I found it quite meditative. Um, meditative, yes. I think I'll put one more syllable than I needed to there. <laughs> um, so it just brought me a sense of kind of calm and just an ability to shake off any sort of heaviness that had stuck to me that day. So I was running quite regularly, um, I was running in nature quite regularly. So wherever possible, you know, I I do go to the gym now, but I try this morning, actually, I told you I went for a run today. Um, I've been out in nature this morning. And for me, nature being around something that is bigger and more brilliant than myself, you know, And when you live in London and you live in kind of a concrete jungle, it's very easy to become disconnected from nature, but there's nothing like running through a wood or a green space where there are sprawling trees, you know, and suddenly the things that I'm worried about or I'm holding on to and feeling a bit annoyed about, um, it just begins to dissipate, you know. I, I really feel that nature has a way of right-sizing our problems. And that can be running through nature, or it could just probably be sitting by a tree and just having that time with yourself to breathe and just be in that expansive space you know mm-hmm. so there are two things exercise and getting yourself outdoors as much as possible and just giving yourself some time to process whatever it is that, that you're feeling are really important um for me also meditation i know you're a keen meditator prayer and meditation for me have been key You know, asking for kind of guidance just for me really helps with anxiety in the morning. I'll lift up, literally lift up in prayer. You know, there are certain things that I'm feeling today and um, I just ask for guidance. I asked before I came on this call, I asked for for the right things to come out of my lips, you know, and instantly it becomes less about me and what I'm going to say and just about being in the present moment. You know, I find prayer and meditation really powerful prayer. We ask for things and meditation we receive. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are two practices that probably will be very foreign to some people. They would definitely work for me a few years ago, but two things completely free. You can do them wherever you you know you need to. There's a hundred things on the internet about um, in terms of the guidance and how to start practicing, but really, really good for your heart space for your mental well-being. Um, and the final thing, which I think is, a good one to talk about with uh, sort of drinking is managing resentments. Um, they say in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is sort of a, a regular meeting that happens all over the world for groups of people who no longer have a desire to drink, that's basically the requirement for, for membership is they say if you, if you um, have a desire to stop drinking, you are welcome to sit in a meeting and to listen to what's being shared. And interestingly, what's being shared is rarely about alcohol and all about feelings and emotions and why we feel the need to drink. It's fascinating. But they say in those rooms that the number one offender, um, the, the number one thing that causes people to go back to drinking is resentment. You know, anger and resentment are really, really toxic emotions and something that I've learned through my sobriety And this is as applicable on your first day of being alcohol free as it is six years in, and I'm sure 25 years in, is being really mindful of what you're holding on to and communicating more. So these days I am very aware of, you know, whether I'm upset and I need to talk to someone about it, clearing, basically clearing any uh, any things that are going to cause me emotional discomfort. And that may then lead me to go, well, actually, I really need a glass of wine because I can't deal with the feeling that I'm that I'm experiencing here. So you become um, when you're living alcohol free, more protective about your emotional landscape uh, because you can't just check out. You know, you can't check out with that with that alcoholic beverage. So managing your resentments um, is is really important. And that looks like boundaries. I think a lot of the time is that I mean, classic for me, I like to please people. So if you ask me, Chloe, to do something, I might be compelled to say, Oh, yeah, no, that sounds great. Let's do that. But actually, if I don't want to, ultimately, I'm going to feel resentful at you because I've said yes to something that I don't want to do. So I'm slightly annoyed at you. I'm actually quite annoyed at myself for saying yes when I wanted to say no. And then I've got this resentment, you know, and, mm. and it's uncomfortable to sit with those things. And I think particularly women struggle with people pleasing a lot more than men, in my experience. It's something that as a kind of caregivers and we're, we're meant to be sort of polite, there's all these sort of expectations on women And we can find ourselves agreeing and committing to things that we just don't want to bloody do, you know. And so for me, resentments, a big part of managing those is to start really looking at what I agree to in my life, what I allow in my life, certain relationships and friendships. You know, I I make sure that I communicate my boundaries. If someone if I feel someone's overstepped the mark and it's bothered me. Then I need to find the courage to sit down with that person if I care about our relationship and say, look, that thing that happened the other day, I've actually been feeling not good about it. Can we talk about that? I'd like to, I'd like to understand where you were coming from with it. I'd like to tell you how I feel. Conversations that maybe it's easier not to have, but ultimately create that real sense of connection um, and, and help you to um, avoid checking out and, and trying to push those feelings of frustration down with alcohol. So, yeah, resentments are a biggie, in my opinion, really one to be mindful of.
0: Thank you for that. There's so much gold in what you've just said. I think that's just really useful um, tools and things to be aware of. And boundaries are such a big one. I think you're so right about that. And we say yes to things that we don't want to say yes to. And um, it's okay to say no. You can't please everyone all the time. can't oh. be responsible for other people's feelings all the time. Um, so really good one to be aware of. Um, so I think we've covered a lot of ground. I'm sure we could talk about this a lot more. I think it's such a big topic and it's so huge. interesting. Um, but I think we better wrap it up. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been really interesting and I'm, I've got a renewed kind of vigor for wanting to carry on in this path again, talking to you. I think you're an amazing yeah. role model for this and, um, yeah, thank you for spreading such a
1: positive message around this. My pleasure, Chloe. I'm glad that you feel renewed two and a half months in. It's nice just to. It's nice to talk, isn't it? And just to sort of re inspire and I guess refocus on on why you would want to live this way. You know, because I think alone it can be quite a lonely path. But there are so many people, um, and there are so many people that you can kind of bounce off and and chat with. So yeah, I think for anyone who is considering it or maybe already partway into living alcohol free and feeling wobbly see who you can reach out to because just that human contact and and just voicing concerns i find is really helpful as well if you're having a bit of a wobble one for me i know is has come up time and time again over the last few years is my life feels less fun now i don't drink and i'll i'll have the thought about it and i'll spend a few days with it and what i always end up coming back to is no, my life isn't less fun. I'm making less fun choices. It's totally up to me how I fill my diary. And the fact that I haven't planned anything for Saturday evening is nothing to do with alcohol and everything to do with the fact that I've not initiated a plan. You know, I can go out dancing. I can do all sorts of things. It comes from you taking action in your life. But it's really quick to blame the absence of booze, I think. Um, So, yeah, just... I think communicating with people who are of a similar mind and they can challenge you and help you to see things in different ways, it can be really healthy as well, particularly at the beginning. Yeah. And
0: yeah, um, I know you've spoken about sort of people on Instagram. Are there certain Mm. books that you recommend or resources or things that are helpful people to follow that you?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, firstly, you can follow my Instagram account, which is not it's not actually exclusively sobriety, but it's very much about emotional well-being. Um, so my handle is at Mother So I will talk about sobriety. I'll just talk about all things about really being good with your heart and connecting to your emotions. And sobriety, for me, is a big part of that. Um, Other people who I think have written brilliant books, you've mentioned it already, Catherine Gray wrote The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, which is a really good read. Very practical as well. Um, There's another book called um, A Naked Mind by Annie Grace which is, is this another this naked one. mind this naked mind, mind. Right. yeah yeah this naked mind by Annie Grace is another really good read um instagram wise it's so personal because everyone's different with what they like so i'm not going to i'm not going to recommend anyone specifically but if you search the hashtags for sobriety sober girl uh like you know sober living anything like that yeah have a look and just see who pops up because there's certain accounts that have got massive followings there's certain accounts that have got really small followings but there's some goals you know in in all of it so see what voice resonates with you and and just yeah follow follow people who inspire you and and help you to stay on this path yourself um, but Instagram is like it seems to be the way now to be just plugging into to people who have that similar mindset it's such a such a amazing but damaging tool isn't it yeah <laughs> my gosh
0: good points and bad points <laughs> I to know
1: I know but yeah for sobriety it can be pretty cool
0: yeah and what about how can people find out about you and what you do and if people want to work with you how can they find out about that yeah so you can go to my
1: website which is motherheart.com Co, not.com not.co.uk just.co uh, and everything's on there so I, I work I think I mentioned I work one-to-one um, and I also hold kind of group workshops as well and um, it's all on the website I think Instagram's the most interesting place in terms of just sort of following along and, and engaging in, uh, in ideas and things that I do it's my kind of passion is my Instagram feed um, but yeah in terms of Uh, coming to a session or um, a group workshop you can find it all on my website and um, always available by email if anyone's got any kind of questions that we haven't covered here today or any concerns just drop me a line I'm always happy to hear from people
0: thank you so much thank you so much for talking to me great to chat to to you thanks Chloe